Medusa was not always considered a monster, in fact it was quite the opposite. She was the only mortal of three sisters born to Forkies and Sito, two of the primordial sea gods. Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy, Tales Oldest Time Shepherd. You stole mine. <laughs> this is the first time in history. <laughs> really? Uh, and I'm Mitchell. Uh, Tales Oldest Time. Tales Oldest Time Manly. <laughs> really? That really was going to be mine, but, but I was trying. I knew that it was very <laughs> likely that you might also say the same thing, so I should have had a good backup. In I'm mind. sorry. I was like, wait, what was I going to say? And then- I'm Mitchell, the epic of Mitchell Manly, Manly. The saga of the manly. The saga of manly. The manly saga. <laughs> okay. This week is um, our... Well, I originally wrote old-ass stories, but right. you, you went and edited. Yeah, because we ended up with kind of some that weren't old necessarily, and yeah. I wanted to make sure that we... You know, it, when in naming epic. the theme that we... Yeah, like epic stories were also absolutely appropriate, but um, what was, how did I try to word this? Um... This was one of my themes, I guess. Right, yeah. I'm reading the Sandman series over mm-hmm. again, which is all about dream and you know, just, just read it, dudes. Like, that's all I can say is just read it. I can't really describe it, but dream and death and destiny and all those folks, like, hanging out together and making, like, worlds work and yeah, shit I mean, like that. Neil Gaiman just makes the most ridiculous, like, speculative fiction. Yeah, it's, like, insane, but in all of this dream stuff, all of the stories, mm-hmm. all of the old stories show up as dreams. Like, mm-hmm. they all originated as dreams. So, you have Cain and Abel and Eve and, like, Fiddler's Green as a person. Right. And stuff like that. So, I just wanted epic Stories yeah, like stories that... Tales of Gilgamesh nonsense. Right, yeah. yeah. Which I don't think I worded really well. It's just a very specific niche. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you got you only get a little bit of time to really do it. We don't get time to really research and dig around. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Mitchell, what did you dig up? All right, I'm going to start us off with Fleet Foxes and their song Sim Salabim. Rough on the fur of the collie neath the table. Ran out the door through the dark Carved out his initials in the bar Then the earth shook, that was all that it took for the dream to break All the loose ends would surround me again in the shape of your face 
despite the reservations, what do I see in your eyes? Besides my reflection hanging high. Are you off somewhere reciting incantations? Uh, Fleet Foxes are just masters of like narrative storytelling. Uh, their singer and main songwriter, Robin Pecknold, has this brilliant facility with language where he can just give you just enough of a literal st- of the like literal story elements to kind of weave together a narrative, but it's still vague enough so that the themes of the song can be interpreted in a few different ways. And he also has some of the most evocative imagery and mood in his lyrics that I've ever heard from just about anyone. Uh, this song's from their record, uh, Helplessness Blues, which I. Yeah, that was our second album. Uh, has several songs that tell a story of like learning your place in life and making mistakes and kind of you know ruminating in regret, but then also trying to make things right with your new perspective. Uh, this song in particular is about a man who leaves his lover in the middle of the night, which obviously sounds like kind of a shitty and horrible thing <laughs> to do to someone. But you know the way that the man's described and like the rustic imagery used to kind of put you into this perspective of a man who who feels stuck or constrained, and such a drastic escape is like the only way that he feels he can actually get away and start anew. And even though he tries to avoid that direct confrontation by leaving in the middle of the night, he's still plagued with the guilt and panic of of what he's doing. Yeah, I know some folks, well, I've done that once, maybe, yeah, but, like, first of all, Amazing Pool, because Fleet Foxes, like, hold a very, they they hold, like, a special place in my heart, and, like, when I came across them, like, there's something so beautiful about their music, and I was in college, and there was an Americana, like, night at the front page deli in Clarksville, Tennessee, and so... This kind of music, like, started, like, really jamming with me, like, really well because it, it really, like, encapsulated that time of my life. And the sound of it is just so pretty. Like, you get your mandolins and your little whatever they're playing. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so good. Um, the stories that they come up with, they're very folk-like and symbolic. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily know if they're fresh new stories or not. I mean, it right, feels yeah. like a classic tale, especially the way in which they present it kind of in this Americana bluegrassy. Is it bluegrassy? Uh, sure. They got bluegrassy elements, but yeah. yeah, just like you said, folksy and Americana, and they just draw from a lot of different. Yeah, like a lot of different like aspects of, you know, storytelling and how to build a song that you know, conveys a story. And um, it just reminds me also when I was, I was taking my oil painting classes Mm -hmm. uh, they were always like late night Wednesday. So the Americana nights were Wednesday. So we'd all get out of class smelling like, you know, mineral spirits and oil paints and the professor and the whole class would just head down to the front page deli and kind of get some pictures and drink. So you're already like high on the smell of paint thinner and then you just... Yeah, and next thing you know, Just you're chasing like... Chasing shots with turpentine, it's fine. Uh, yeah, n- normal art school. Right, cool. yeah. sure. Look, art school is really good for that experience of life and stuff, so I totally appreciate you bringing <laughs> Fleet Foxes. Um, I, <laughs> I brought Spiral Dances, the goddess and the weaver. Arachne, Arachne, the goddess of got a quest for you and you must weave a story of the gods that rule in all their mystery and you must tell it true so Arachne is woven for seven months she's 
passage where the gods will fly. Athena laughs as she casts her spell, while she watches from her loom on high. I got a few hobbies, mm-hmm. okay? I really love, like, classically female trades and, like, spinning, knitting, weaving, all that women's work stuff, which I know it's not all just women's work, but in our culture, it does tend to be women's work. And I just love doing these things because while they're time-consuming, I, I like the process that links us to the past, especially uh, past generations of women. And they're kind of, like, badasses, like... Every single Viking sail started out on a spindle mm-hmm. of a woman. And it just is really cool like that. I'm sorry. I really like it. So I wanted a song about Arachne, and I found this song. Um, the story is really, really cool because Athena got, like, all sorts of pissed about uh, Arachne being very, like, hey, I can weave as good as Athena or mm-hmm. hashtag Minerva. Because it was, <laughs> I found out Ovid is the only one who covers this story. Right. And so it's all Roman. Um, but like, you know, Athena was really upset and she challenged her to a weaving contest and Arachne won. And so because she won, she got, you know, smoked. She got hit over the head with a shuttle. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, Arachne's embarrassed, hangs herself, but then like, Athena feels kind of bad about it and blah, blah, blah. You know, next thing you know, you have spiders. Ta-da! <laughs> there we have spiders. So I really, like, just love this whole epicness of this song because, yeah. And it's very world music-y. Yeah. It's so world music that I would usually roll my eyes at it. But right. But I like the subject matter. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said it. I was going to say <laughs> something similar. Yeah. But I didn't want to be mean. Come on. It's world but, music But yeah, I mean, it just sounds kind of monotonous. It's the same formula, but it's more about the story being told. You know? Yeah. Uh, the lyrics and the production value are like super epic sounding. Lots of reverberating vocals and, and folksy instrumentation. And I'm all about some Greek mythology and this kind of uh, this tells the story of Arachne in like a really engaging way. Uh, in my research, I read a, a really interesting interpretation of the myth as like illustrating the relationship between artists and the tyrannical powers under which they often operate. Uh, you know, Athena represents these like oppressive powers, mm-hmm. and Arachne is the artist who reflects the god's own misdeeds in her heart. And you know, I just thought that was a pretty neat way to think about it. Well, yeah, like she's the goddess of weaving, right? And Mm -hmm. then, you know, you have your standards and practices are weaving. And so in the story, you have her making like a perfect textbook version of a woven craft. And then Arachne being the artist who makes something even better. And they finish at the same time. So time's not even a constraint. Right, yeah. So, yeah, like, so what I'm hearing is Athena's the man. Trying to hold (laughs) Arachne down. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. I knew it. I could bring that around there. So... I didn't help the ear buddies at all this week with my description. <laughs> <laughs> so we had some folks who who struggled and came forth we with some songs. Y'all. Thank you so much. Brian V is our first ear buddy who brought Built to Spills, Cortez the Killer. He came dancing across the water. Cortez, Cortez. What a killer.
way past Amy's two-minute song preference, yet the guitar solo is well worth it. Also, it's totally anti-Columbus, and fuck that guy. By accident, I have learned that this is actually a cover. This was originally a Neil Young song. Yep. Yep. And uh, that, you know, I, I would actually like... I couldn't believe I accidentally found that out. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself because, you know, I'm not really a good <laughs> you, researcher. You typed f- four words into, yeah. into Google. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was looking for like a, um, when I hear live in a recording, I get really nervous on like mm-hmm. quality. And so I was like, oh, let me see if I can find a non-live version of this. And all it came up was like a bunch of Neil Young live versions right. of this. So I was like, oh, wait, I wonder what this is. So either way, um, got to say Neil Young did do it shorter. Just saying, he did nine to twelve minutes is how long his version is. Right. Um. There's a lot of noodling for a band that I constantly confuse with the new wave band. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who you, who I you're confusing know. Built to Spill with. If you think they're a new wave band, I, th- I thought they were a new wave band. If any of the ear buddies can decipher <laughs> from Built to Spill what new wave band Amy thinks, Amy that, might think it is. Yeah. So it just it. It ties into the theme like multiple ways. It's also a story, but it's commentary like on, you know, some version of Manifest Destiny, even though Manifest Destiny is very much an American thing. But sure. Columbus kind of like that was a Manifest Destiny style of things. Right. Yeah. Imperialism. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you asked for epic songs, and this is uh, that's definitely what we got. It's um, like twenty plus minutes, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember knowing that Built to Spill did this cover, but I didn't realize that it was twenty minutes long. <laughs> uh, like you said, Neil Young's version is like eight minutes. Sometimes he goes, you know, thirteen minutes or so in a live show. So Built to Spill just really went nuts with the extended guitar solos, which I'm totally fine with. <laughs> uh, I'm sure partially it's in tribute to Neil Young because the guitar solos in the original are kind of regarded as mon- monumental among guitar players. And because the lyrics are kind of meant to make you think and reflect, those instrumental breaks are kind of like the agitation cycle on a washing machine. You're just like left immersed and getting tossed about by the emotion of the song. So I definitely think Built to Spill uh, did justice to this. What's the, f- is it Flock of Seagulls? Yeah, Flock of Seagulls. Is that what you, Built to Spill? Yeah. Can, yeah, Flock of Seagulls is a, a new Doesn't Amy sound band. the same, but they're it three words. But yeah, at least I can, built I can to see the. Built to Spill, Flock of Seagulls. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see your. Your vague connection. <laughs> it makes sense to me. So, yeah. Jeremy S. brings Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound And the wave broke over the railing And every man knew as the captain did too T'was the witch of November come stealing the dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait When the gales of November came slashing When afternoon came it was freezing rain In the face of a hurricane west wind I've literally been calling this the wreck of the Ella Fitzgerald since it was posted because Dakota's like, what are you talking about? So there's that. <laughs> um, it's, this is very much a sea shanty, but it was it 
it's about a boat that sank in 1975. So I guess it gets like way more relevant sea towns related in it because I believe they're talking about um, was it Cleveland is in there mm-hmm. and like a couple of places. So uh, much more up to date, but very much in like the same kind of folklore storytelling thing that I was going for. And um, I, there are a ton of people who remember the Edmund Fitzgerald yeah. like wrecking who are using the YouTubes, and I was pretty proud of yeah, them. Yeah, proud of them. Like, and for some reason, I guess it happened in November of 1975. Oh, I didn't realize because that. Because they're like... Oh, yeah, because the like a lot, in November, yeah. Yeah, they're like talking about a lot of like... No, who's, it was like, you know, the annoying thing that YouTube does is like, who's listening November 19 or 2019? Yeah. I was like, no, okay. Yeah. We are, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Gordon Lightfoot. I remember when I was pretty young, like 12 or 13, and like file sharing was just becoming a thing. And I was downloading songs for my grandmother because I'm a sweet young man. Yes. And uh, she wanted me to download Sundown by Gordon Lightfoot. And when I heard it, I was just like instantly hooked, downloaded all the rest of the Gordon Lightfoot that I could find. Uh, and this is back on the Napster days when you couldn't get full albums. It was just like song a track here. Song. Yeah. Hopefully it's the song that right, is labeled. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so this song is just such an epic. And I especially love how each verse kind of escalates musically. Uh, the first verse is really sparse with the acoustic guitar kind of driving the rhythm. And then you got transient bits of electric guitar and organ that are just kind of whirlwinding around in and out, kind of emulating the winds out on the lake. And then the drums come in and lock into the electric guitar and give the song some momentum, kind of reflecting this giant ship pushing through the turbulent waves. And then the third verse is my favorite. It's got this like arpeggiated synthesizer that wait, comes wait. in. Just say that again. Arpeggiated synthesizers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, I like that phrase too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the synth comes in and, and kind of gives things this like eerie and uneasy feeling, almost alarm-like. Uh, and the boat finally takes on water and the crew realize that they're done for. And it all kind of dials back again toward the end when, when Gordon starts waxing on the existential meaning of it all and kind of ties it into this beautiful memorial. It's just this brilliant example of like how much a lyrical story can be augmented by like creative production and the arrangement of the music. The song just gives me goosebumps every time. Yeah, I, uh, I first of all, I can't believe I thought it was like a much older ship for some reason. Yeah. Also, calling it the Ella Fitzgerald does not make <laughs> sense. Doesn't, yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, Amy, Amy, Amy. I like, do you remember what lake it happened on? Lake Superior. And they, they say the, the natives called it, do you remember? No. It's a fun word to say, Gitchigumi. No. <laughs> the the Gitchigumi. It means the like the sparkly big water is no, what it means. Something what like it that. means is it's going to get you. It, it does indeed get you yeah. when the gales of November yeah. come whirling. Well, and you know, the Great Lakes yeah. are like really good at killing folks yeah like michigan i believe is has got yeah, a bunch also, of ships at the bottom yeah yeah so don't go out on the great lakes just leave them alone in their majesty not, they're also not ever warm even in the summer they're cold cold yeah. as heck like yeah, they're like right there on the yeah it's just yeah. cold i blame <laughs> canada um <laughs> this dude named dakota he brings mastodon's blood and thunder
he says, just remember listening to this in high school and remember it being related to Moby Dick. Surprisingly, this is a man I live with who always asks right after recording what the theme is. And I'm just like, please just look at the group, man. We live in the same house. Come on. Uh, he always has a suggestion. He's like, well, I hope you did this. And I hope you did this. And I was like, no, 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 no we no, didn't because no, you no. didn't submit it, Dakota. Right. Exactly. Right. So this week I forced him to confront the theme before recording because <laughs> I was like, we got three songs. Um, so he brought this one because he said, oh, I think there's like a concept album about Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like like that guitar solo where it's just like the guitar and there's kind of some room to breathe. I like that part a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mastodon sounds like if um, a Mastodon was in a hair metal band. I sure. think uh, I understand that there is a lyric about the white whale in there. So I'm pretty sure it is Moby Dick. But there's a lot of, was what do you call it, Cookie Monster vocals? There's a few little Cookie Monster vocals. It's kind of hardcore. But for the most part, I feel like I can always understand what Mastodon's talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is off an album called Leviathan, which has... A uh, big white whale in the yeah, front. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's it's vaguely kind of tied into Moby Dick and just like epic tales of the sea and that yeah. sort of thing. I think you can tell a lot about a person by what era of Mastodon that they heard first. Wait, I have questions. Yeah. What do we know now about Dakota? I mean, I know that Dakota was in, in on Mastodon fairly early. Okay. And that he has good taste in Mastodon. <laughs> a lot of people like the newer Mastodon, which is good. And, it, you know, it's fine. But <laughs> if you're like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite Mastodon, I don't think you're a real Mastodon fan. Oh, okay. But, you know, whatever. Mastodon's <laughs> allowed to change, and I'm fine with that. But, All right. <laughs> uh, Leviathan was just the first, you know, and this song was the first exposure to them that i had and just blew me away uh the video for this is just this super <laughs> ridiculous sideshow circus thing and like uh the song starts as this thrashy juggernaut but then it has that progressive sounding bridge that gives way to these epic sludgy riffs that finish up the song and you may think that mastodon and gordon lightfoot couldn't possibly have anything in common but just like the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald the song makes that creative use of mood and feel in the music to kind of tell the story of of some grizzled sea captain tormented by a white whale who he thinks he thinks is like actively trying to kill him and you know it, it's got this anxious part and then like starts out anxious and on guard and then the captain kind of explains what's up with this evil white whale and then as they find the whale and a battle ensues the music shifts into the epic battle riffs <laughs> yeah it's definitely uh, my favorite mastodon song despite being kind of played out by most mastodon fans i think oh if it helps this is the first time i've heard it well, <laughs> see, but do you, did you enjoy it? Yes. You know, well, so so don't go listen to any new Mastodon and just listen to this album and Remission is the other album that's really, really good. What? I'm just kidding. It's all pretty good. The newest one is called Crack the Sky or they, what, they probably put out a new one since as, then. Yeah. I'm just like, Dakota's like, well, do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like it? And I was like, honey, just submit it. I'll talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just... I, I like the concept of, you know, just taking some epic tale like that. And I, I mean, it's, I guess, in the relative scheme of, like, stories of human beings, like, it's relatively new. Sure. Right? Because it's based off of a novel. And I, um, 
I, I just like that. The tale goodness. of like battling with gigantic sea creatures. I gigantic think is, sea creatures. Noah got fish. swallowed by a whale, so. Yeah, and then there's, well, I know this is relatively new. What was the, the old man in the sea? Old man in the sea, yeah. yeah. And Hemingway, those, right? Yeah, Hemingway, but they have these like feelings of like old stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's not just because they're from the 50s or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like the, well, this the, is the 1800s. The sea is this kind of immortal. Terrifying thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, the only person who's really mastered it is James Cameron. Oh boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, Will K brings Senses Fail, the priest and the matador. A priest is rushing to my side. The kids to read me. My last rights. Father, you're too late. My faith is weak. So won't you say? down my favorite concept album this is the culmination of the entire thing but it's an album about struggling with faith i was legit expecting this to be a lot more metal yeah they used to be a little more hardcore than this but okay so they did have a harder sound right they did a little bit yeah lots more screamo okay kind of a thing. yeah that's what i was expecting but this wasn't screamo um it's the story of struggling with faith and it's it's just a pretty classic story while it's a specific story like this specific one is the you know guy who's just been gored and mm. then the priest is called um the story of death which well hey i hate to break it to y'all we all gonna have to live that story. We all gonna all, die. We're all gonna die at some point and in some manner. Not necessarily all of us are gonna be coughing up blood in our last moments. Right. And I doubt most of us will hear when our time of death is called. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I kind of like that story. Um, just like in that concept that you know we're being confronted with it. Right. Yeah. And uh, for the struggling with faith, I, there's the one. The one Kierkegaard I've read where he does make up a bunch of words, no matter what Mitchell says. Um, uh, fear and trembling. That kind of reminds me of this. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to re-listen to this with a, a Kierkegaardian uh, <laughs> perspective. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when, when death is happening around you, it can do a lot to kind of make you reflect on what kind of life you're living and, and what you really think happens when you die. But uh, I imagine that no matter how confident you are in your convictions, there's probably a moment right before you give up the ghost where you kind of have to make that final struggle with your faith and decide if you're right to, to bet on red instead of black, you know, uh, this song kind of it, it depicts someone who who stands firm in their convictions that you know the words of the priest are meaningless and have no comfort for the man as he's dying, but somehow senses fail still sneak in a little hint of like uncertainty as the man is facing death squarely in the eyes. Yeah, I, I think it's just interesting. Like uh, I, I don't know what the last of our senses are to fail, but yeah, I know yeah. in surgery the last thing that you remember will be what you hear. Interesting. So I was con- I like that whole concept of like hearing the time of yeah, death he call. Hears the- yeah. Like he hears whatever time it was. I, there's an actual time that's quoted, but yeah. I was just like, you know, to hear that called and the fact that 
Do you know, did you know that only doctors declare a death? Really? Yeah. Well, like in this state. So it gets. In this state. In this state. So it's like. Death is subjective from state to state. So it's like sometimes like maybe the person's been gone, but they're not technically dead till a doctor says they're dead. Interesting. I was like, that, that's obnoxious when you need something to get the ball rolling. So there's, look, in my line of work, there's just a lot of paperwork that has to be done. So I need that doctor to show up sometimes. Um. Our final ear buddy is Brandon B., who brings Billy Joel's The Ballad of Billy the Kid. Well, he never traveled heavy. Yes, he always rode alone. And he soon put many other guns to shame. And he never had a sweetheart. And he never had a home. But the cowboy and the rancher knew his name. track him down and it served as a legend well for the folks they love to tell about when Billy the Kid came to town Most of the details in this song are incorrect, but doesn't matter that much because it's still a good story and the music is triumphant and the melody is just really good. I was introduced to this melody via a Milan High School marching band field show and it's so infectious. Milan's marching band always had the big budget for the really good songs. Yeah, I would have never say, expected that. Yes, those um the purple and white band. You didn't you didn't march in the not, high school band, yeah, did no. you? I, I I dropped out of high school band. I was like, I'm not doing this band camp, dead heat of the summer thing. Did you drop out freshman year? Yeah, because did you show up? No, I mean, I I, I heard I heard what's his name G, Mister oh. Garnett oh, or whatever. Yeah, G. Was I he heard, cursing at the people. He, I I just heard uh him telling folks that you, you were gonna have to be at band camp from like. 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. or some shit. It was uh, marching in the heat of the summer. 7 a.m. to 5:30 p.m. Yeah, I quit whenever my rearview mirror melted off of my. Yeah, I'm window. not. I'm not playing that game. <laughs> and like dressed up all goofy in the funny hat and all that. Are Are you talking about him? Well, no, I, I never saw him. Although that would have been funny. <laughs> right. But no, like you know, whenever you're actually in in your matching oh, band but that's uniforms. Night time. I mean, generally. I don't know. You got to practice in your uniforms at some point, right? He no. never made you practice in the uniforms. No, we never had to practice in our uniforms until like. Mm. Um, no, it just sounded miserable to me. Oh, but we got to go to Florida multiple times to march mm. in the heat Mm-mm. in our wool uniforms. Pass. Yes. So, um, you cannot convince me that this guy is not using coconuts. <laughs> just saying. You see the guys Let's from get, Monty Python. Yeah, like, get. Get, I'm getting back to the story now of the Billy Joel. But either way, um, still very salty about Milan. But yes, I'm pretty sure that these are actual coconuts being used in the song. You can't you can't tell me that's not true. Um, Billy Joel, I love him. I don't care how incorrect the story is. Uh, no matter what any of my favorite beloved podcast hosts say, just, just saying, um, I love how overly sincere it is. It's big. It's dramatic. It is everything I love. It's much like uh, Sweet Caroline. I love it. It's big. It's dramatic. It's over the top. 
And it's definitely those things. Yes, I love it so much. Yeah, I, I can imagine a, a marching band version of this would be just insane. Uh, and it blows my my mind that the band in Milan, Tennessee, would have even like allocated the budget for the arts, much less <laughs> teach the kids Billy Joel. I think it's because their 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 football team was really good too. So, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so what makes this song great to me is definitely the use of like a wide array of instrumentation, which keeps things really interesting and novel the whole way through. And I especially love all the fast-paced rhythms and like little stylistic tags and breaks. Really builds the triumph and the arc of the story. Uh, Billy Joel gets a lot of flack, and and like Brandon said, his his facts are kind of fake news here. But uh, this is definitely him and his best musically. I think. I think th- I don't know why he gets so much flack though. Is it because he's overly sincere? I guess so, or just the fact that I don't know. Some of his songs are just too campy sounding. I guess. Well, there's this terrible one about like um, I can't remember. It's like something about like a hot night and like somebody sweating in their sheets, but it, like comes across as really, really creepy. Oh, uh, in the middle of the night, uh, uh, River of Dreams. Yes, it's horrifying. I, it gives me the creeps. That's the say. first Billy Joel song I ever heard, and it was my one of my favorite songs when I was a little kid. Really? Yeah, whenever I was like five or six. I like, think there's super one young. about a boardwalk that he does, isn't there? Yeah, yeah down, uh, down on the boardwalk. Yeah. Or no, that's, a, that's one of them. I don't know. I, there's something he does that I really, really like, there's but I can't remember <laughs> it. I remember listening to it as a kid. I liked it. Yeah. I was a cool kid. Can you tell? Mm, yeah. Debatable. <laughs> if you want to tweet how awesome I was as a kid to Mitchell, he is available at? At Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Molite, and the show is E&D Pod. Seriously, I was a cool kid. Just uptight. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> might need to find a dictionary and see what cool means cool, I'm cool i think we kid. might have different idea of what cool means <laughs> well you can uh add to the fun and the playlist all the time on earbuds and earworms podcast group if so here's the thing if we posted a show and there's still the themes still exist on our facebook group you can totally continue to post on yeah that. and i definitely i actually go back and and you know if i get the notification yeah. I'll go back and check it out and, and leave a comment on it. But even if no one has updated it, I go back to those threads all the time yeah. and, and rediscover the music that didn't make the show. They're good playlists. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. playlists. Everybody I love adds to it. Just so I love so it. much good stuff to choose. Yeah. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email the show, endpod at gmail.com, and you can Always find the show on the interwebs, indiepod.com, part of the 10710 network. Now, what did you bring this week? All right, I'm going to close this out with the Amoeba people and their song, The Trial and Death of Socrates. So, yeah, I know you have your secret channels for finding new stuff to fit the themes. I think this might be the first time (laughs) that I've dug around for something that I'd never heard before to bring to the show. Uh, and I'm super excited about what I found. Uh, the Amoeba people seem to be a nerdy band who sing about nerdy shit like science and history. And I got to say, I'm here for it. Uh, this is a jaunty little ditty about the trial and death of the great philosopher uh, Socrates. He was sentenced to death for corrupting the youth of Athens, uh, asking too many tough philosophical questions. Uh, and the song's just short, straightforward, but it, it relays one of the most infamous accounts of people being literally put to death because they dared to question the social hierarchy and like criticize the status quo. 
and it's a story that definitely inspired me to kind of lead the the more well-examined life, and hopefully we can send you down a similar road by leaving you with The Trial and Death of Socrates by the Amoeba People. Well, he was brought before the court in 399 BC, and he was charged with corrupting the youth. He was sentenced to death for his impiety, but his only crime was that he spoke the truth. Socrates, Socrates, the Athenians said they couldn't bring it to your knees. They figured if they could kill the man, then they could stop his ways. And then low down dirty vibration scoundrels, cast wicked boats and their comfortable sandals, laid Socrates in his grave. The oracle had claimed he was the wisest man alive, so he set out to prove it wrong. But every wise man that he met was filled with arrogance and pride, and he found that he just could not play along. Socrates, Socrates, the Athenians said they couldn't bring it to your knees. They figured if they could kill a man, then they could stop his ways. And them low down, dirty, rotten Grecian scoundrels who cast away in boats and their comfortable sandals lay Socrates in his grave. A wise man, he said, is not a man who claims he's wise, but a man who admits what he does not know. A man of high esteem is far less likely to be wise than a simple man who is considered low. Socrates, Socrates, the Athenians simply couldn't bring it to your knees. They figured if they could kill the man, then they could stop his ways. And them low down, dirty, rotten scoundrels who cast wicked boats in their comfortable sandals laid Socrates in his grave. They cast their votes and they voted for death. It seemed a crime against the very universe. But before he drank that hemlock, he said, All this as I've said, for a better man can't be hurt by a worse. Socrates, Socrates, the Athenians said they couldn't bring it to your knees. They figured if they could kill the man, then they could stop his ways. And then low down, dirty, rotten, Grecian scoundrels who cast wicked boats in their comfortable sandals laid Socrates in his grave. Yes, they laid Socrates in his grave. Oh, yes, they laid Socrates in his grave. Arpeggiated synthesizers. Yeah, it's, I like that phrase too.